Ah, man. Zachary, I have a question for you. Yo. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty alright. Pretty alright is what I like to hear. Would you be feeling more or less alright if the Bell's Witch was pulling covers off your bed, slapping in your fucking face? I'd feel much less alright. Yeah, that would not be good. Yeah. That would be less than ideal. Yeah, she can stay the fuck away from me. Right. Unless you want to have a little gossip town. Be a little gossip girl talking with JJJ, John yeah, Jr. I forgot about that. Why Why was she such a gossip? That's weird. She was visiting all the houses, and then she and then she chose to just talk to... Just mind your own business, witch. Right. She's like, this house is my business, and this cave where that little baby's buried. Like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Well, what, what are we talking about tonight? All right, well, for starters, this is Weird and Feared, baby. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a podcast yeah. where we talk about bizarre and crazy supernatural phenomenons or just things that are weird. Cryptids, monsters. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten to alien nonsense yet, but I feel that's... Oh, in, we'll get there. I feel we'll like get there. this podcast is destined to blast off into outer space. We'll get there. All right, now, this is kind of... This is almost a disclaimer, only because... There may be a lot happening in this one, because I'm setting a stage, okay? All right. But this, in a way, this is the second half of the episode I said that was going to be too continued. Oh, good. I, be- I began to tell this story, and I ended up in um, pre-colonial Mesoamerican Aztec culture. All right. So, <laughs> hey, all right. So I will begin as usual, as per what I do. As per what I do, I have a... Um, a script prepared, and we'll go off of that. And again, forewarning, this one may go a little lengthy, so I apologize for those uh, listeners who don't well, want to hit the pause button. They'll be able to tell before they start this if it's too long, <laughs> where we don't know what we're getting <laughs> oh, into Oh, yeah, we, that's true, that's true. So you you click play, you know what you're in for. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because you know when an episode might go too long? When it starts like this. Prologue. Oh, okay. I thought we already did that. <laughs> I thought we did that a few weeks ago. <laughs> According to scientists, there have been five great extinctions that have befell the Earth. We are living in the next. Okay. All right, prologue over. Not too bad. Oh, that, that okay. was a quick one. Once upon a time, there was a beast. Was he magical? Probably not. But if it's more fun to imagine that he was, sure. It is. He's magical. Fine. Great. He had, yeah, Thank cool. you. Yeah, awesome. Good. Just, there you go. He had four legs, a tail, and a long broad... magic legs. Magical legs, and a magical waggy tail, and a long, broad snout, and sharp, flesh-searing teeth. But he is not our focus. Is it a jaguar? No. Damn. Evolution is a tricky thing. This creature's lineage would diverge into two separate species... Hold on. Go on. No, I, I guess jaguar, but now I remember what we were talking about last time. Mm-hmm. So let's just go for a ride, mm-hmm. okay? All yeah. Right. We'll see if it's as cool as I thought it was. Yeah. If not, well, whatever. Let's take a trip to California. Sure, let's do it. Los Angeles. Oh, okay. the, we're not talking about angels, but that is, in fact, the city of angels. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles, to be precise where an astonishing natural occurrence has given us one of our best glimpses into our ancient past. Do you know where we're going, at least for this part? No, I don't, actually. The La Brea Tar Pits. 
All right. Yeah, booyah. Made up of naturally occurring asphalt, referred to as Gilsonite because it was, quote-unquote, discovered by Sam Gilson in 1860, the pit has ensnared many living creatures throughout its existence. Again, although, quote, discovered by Sam Gilson, the indigenous Native American Chumash and Tongva peoples had been using the tar to fill the cracks of their canoes, made up of redwood stumps and driftwood since, well, forever. I mean, that's cool. I want a redwood canoe. Allegedly, um, I'm going to talk about it, so I probably could have left it in, but it's fine. They would find, like, trunks and, like, just driftwood that had, like, fallen into, like, a lake, so it's been kind of, you know, how the water messes with the driftwood and stuff. Yeah. So that's what their canoes were made out of. And they would go up and down the canals and do cool shit with that stuff. Like flips and shit? Yeah, they would, they would do flips and shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, a group of Spanish explorers led by Gaspar de Portola created the first written account describing La Brea in 1769. Father Juan Crespi wrote, While crossing the basin, the scouts reported having seen some of... Um, let me try that again. While crossing the basin, the scouts reported having seen some geysers of tar issuing from the ground like springs. It boils up molten, and the water runs to one side and the tar to the other. The scouts reported that they had come across many of these springs and had seen large swamps of them, enough, they said, to caulk many vessels. Hey, Zach. Hmm. How do you feel about cock in many vessels. You know how I feel about that. I think I do. We were not so lucky ourselves as to see these tar geysers. Got his vessel cocked. Ah, he got his vessel. <laughs> got his vessel cocked with a tar geyser. Wow. <laughs> this is where we're going tonight. All right, let's do it. Uh, much though we wished. Now, much though we wished it, as it was some distance out of the way we were to take, the governor, who of course was Portola, did not want us to go past them. We christened them Los Volcanos de Brea, which means the Tar Volcanoes. I mean, that sounds like bad Spanish to me. <laughs> like, that sounds like what I would have made up. Yeah, well, that's that's what we're doing back in 1769. All right, that's fine. What is remarkable about these pits um, is that they are predator traps. A wounded creature, such as a mammoth or a ground sloth, would become stuck in them, and as it realized its fate, its cries of despair would garner the attention of more opportunistic hunters, who, as they went in to claim their treat, would fall victim to the same fate. An L.A. Times article paints this picture of that ever-so-common image of the prehistoric, uh, prehistoric tar pit as... The scene indeed suggests that nature is red of tooth and claw. One can imagine a saber-toothed cat slinking across the watery surface to attack a trapped and helpless antelope. The cat, in turn, is stuck, and then is devoured by great buzzards who flap in to tear at its flesh. The buzzards also become stuck in the tar, leaving their own bones for modern paleontologists to pick at. Hmm. I'm not saying the buzzards are thunderbirds, but I'm just tossing it out there. Yeah. You know, it's ancient times. Who knows? It's out, it's out there. Who knows? Quetzalcoatl is just over the border. Who knows what the fuck he's doing? Anyways. Not being the son. <laughs> he is not. He was only the second son. Yeah. He was only son number two. Well, somebody had to take over after fucking the black test. Puka didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Yeah, he's got a dick about it, too. He didn't let that go. The ancient animals that are most often mentioned regarding the pit are... 
I already mentioned some, mammoths, ground sloths, and the state fossil of California, the saber-toothed cat, and short-faced bears. Oh, short-faced bears I was, are fucking crazy. Yes, I was hoping you looked them up. They're scary as fuck. Yeah. They're terrifying. I mean, they're like 20 feet tall. They're amazing. Can you imagine that thing stuck in a tar pit? I can imagine that. That's the only thing I want to imagine <laughs> that thing at. Get them, in, get them all so in there. Get the fuck away from me. Get in the tar pit. Put them all in a funnel and let them just go all into the tar pit because those things are just destroying everything in sight. Yeah, holy shit. The fossils of the extinct mammals can be traced back to the last Great Ice Age, but the remnants of insects, plants, and even pollen are not taken for granted. Every trace of prehistoric life has value and can tell us something about the way the world was. A lone human has been found at the pit Poor as bastard. well, and she has been dubbed the La Brea Woman. It's a clever name. Hmm. Her remains are from 9,000 years ago. Part of her skull is missing, and her jaw is broken. Hmm. It's assumed she was murdered. Yeah, that sounds like a murder It to sounds me. like a murder. Yeah. It sounds like a murder, and a lot of articles talk about how she was probably one of the oldest documented cases we have, like domestic abuse. Yeah. Because like her husband or lover probably, or a scorned lover probably beat the shit out of her and dumped her in the tar pit. Yeah, he was like, oh, well, I know where I can hide this. Like, okay. But what was also found alongside her remains? Those of a domestic dog. Oh. Interesting. A little pupper. A little pupper. But out of all these animals, I have so far left out one of our focus characters. A character who absolutely feasted on trapped prey and waged war against Simuldan Fatalis. Come again? Now, I could have just said Sabretooth Tiger, oh. but man, what a sweet name. It's pretty good. Simuldan Fatalis. I mean... Why isn't, why isn't that a metal band name? It, yeah, it, is it, maybe it, it is. It, it probably, probably is. It probably is. It's, yeah. People have looked up... I feel up like there's got to be a rule 34 for metal band I would, names. <laughs> it's like... I th yeah, is if sounds kind of cool and scary, then yeah, probably. Somebody's done it. They've they've been there. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, hordes, so I guess where we're going. Hmm. But yeah, hordes of dire wolves would approach trapped prey. They expected an, an easy din-din, only to be consumed themselves. Easy din-din. An easy din-din. <laughs> from the dire wolves. Four centimeters is all it would take to trap a large animal. And once trapped... It would take months for a creature to sink, making it appear as an easy catch. You can see how this vicious cycle would play itself out. Four centimeters is Four all centimeters. It takes. And there's like mastodons, mammoths, dire wolves, saber-toothed tigers, sloths. We talked about the short-faced bear. Yeah. That's all it would take. That's how bad this tar pit is. That's crazy. In modern times, it's not in here, but I'm going to talk about it. So, like, I might as well have put it in here. Um, there's... A, um, when one um, one reporter and his friend were walking around like the museum that surrounds the tar pits, because it's like in the center of Los Angeles, it's amazing like how urban it is, and it's just the huh. tar, it's just the fucking tar pits. Yeah. But there's a lot of posters for missing dogs. Oh, oh that's no. sad. Oh no. Yeah. The I... guy was like, D "Dog tar pit." I mean, that's <laughs> probably that's probably what. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, because of their pack nature and how deceiving the tar pits can be. There have been up to 400 direwolf skulls unearthed from the tar and remains from up to 4,000 of them. Huh. 4,000 direwolves have fallen victim to this tar pit. That's crazy. I mean, it's over, like, since we started looking for them. Right. But, like, Jesus Christ. But direwolf remains have been found not just in the tar pits of Los Angeles. 
Joseph Leedy, one of the fathers of modern paleontology, had analyzed remains from Joseph Granville Norwood, a geologist who had found the fossilized jawbone with teeth in the bed of the Ohio River near Evansville, Indiana, in 1854. That's right. We had dire wolves all the way out here. We're back to the Midwest where dire wolves used to thrive. But when the climate changed, as the Ice Age ended, the dire wolf's prey, which is generally assumed to be the larger mammals of the era, like everything was large, died off. When the food chain collapsed, leaving no larger prey for it to eat, it went extinct. This warming event was the last great extinction. Which brings us to the second half of our evolutionary diversion, because as we all know today... The modern gray wolf would go on to inhabit most of North America, filling the void left by his larger cousin. Native Americans would portray wolves as ferocious warriors and thieving spirits and would use their imagery in many legends and stories. They were a revered part of their culture. European settlers, on the other hand, felt that they needed to be wiped off the face of the earth. Celebrated pain. Oh, man, I'm going to answer your question in a few words. Celebrated painter and naturalist John James Adubin believed wolves ought to be eradicated for the threat they pose to valuable livestock. Oh. I'm going to tell you... Yes, that... but... Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Can yeah. you just build a better fence? We're just going <laughs> to... Yeah, just a few more feet. Yeah. No? All right. Well... I came across an amazing PBS article entitled Wolf Wars, America's Campaign to Eradicate the Wolf Continues. Huh. By saying, in the new world, two top predators, wolves and men, that otherwise would have avoided each other, clashed over livestock. And this is a book title. In Vicious Wolves and Men in America, John T. Coleman writes, Wolves had a ghostly presence in colonial landscapes. Settlers heard howls, but they rarely spotted their serenaders. Rarely spotted their serenaders. There you go. Like a, that's what that's the way you call a stroke in the English language. Mm-hmm. Give it a little massage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little little ball tickle. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what yeah. you can call it that if you want. The fearsome beasts avoided humans. People frightened them, and colonists knew this. Quote: They are fearful curas. End quote reported Thomas Morton in 1637. That's why that sentence didn't make any sense. Quote, And will run away from a man that meeteth them by chance at a banketh end, as fast as any fearful doogie. <laughs> I mean, or doggy. I, mean, I could show you this, but the words are not spelled the same. It's 1637. The English language is not the same. Yeah. But wolves and humans would rarely come in contact with each other, but their presence was felt in both directions. Livestock generally lived on the outskirts of human settlements, and their grazing areas blended perfectly into open wilderness, and the wolves were quick to learn that the docile, timid creatures made for easy feasting. So wolves would not go by humans, humans ain't going by wolves, but in the middle... got livestock (laughs) caught right between them. Talk about being... And everybody's running back and forth going, where'd they go? And these guys... Are like oh dinner, <laughs> yum yum eat it. Yeah, talk about being talk about being between a wolf and a human. Oh my god, what yeah. a, what an awful situation. It's a rock in a hard place. <laughs> it is, it is. 
Um, what became uh, what began as a necessity, protecting their food supply from danger, quickly became sport. Yeah, you know where this is going. The colonists told stories and invented folklore that would guarantee the fear and loathing would be passed down from father to son. The wolves were a menace and needed to be obliterated. Private landowners led the charge in North America. Baiting and trapping took hold. Work became play. So we began to enjoy what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Because we decided something needed to die, and we were going to enjoy making it die. The same PBS article um, that I mentioned previously recanted a tale by James Audubon. Remember, he's a naturalist, painter, real gentle guy. Right. During the fall, a pack of wolves had robbed the farmer of nearly the whole of his sheep and one of his colts. For him, it made sense to devote this winter labor to digging pits, weaving platforms, hunting bait, and setting and checking his traps twice daily. The animals had injured him, and, quote, he was now paying them off in full, end quote. Huh. Audubon's reaction to the slaying of the wolves is less understandable. The indigenous pit traps amazed him, as did the fearsome predators, meek behavior, and the childlike glee the farmer took in his work. The violence Audubon witnessed, however, did not shock him. Watching a pack of dogs rip apart, terrified, and defenseless animals... What? Watching a pack of dogs rip apart terrified and defenseless animals was a sport both he and the farmer found enjoyable. Well, that's weird. They're just reveling in destroying these beasts. Yeah. But back then, everybody's a fucking moron. And they don't realize, like you said, build a better fence. Yeah. Just to keep them out. Mm-hmm. Maybe those wolves play a significant role in the rest of the habitat you haven't colonized. Maybe we need the wolves? Yeah. But well, they just found easy pickings. Right. Yeah, well, we uh, we haven't we didn't learn for a long time. Um, Paul Schillery, in his book, The Yellowstone Wolf, a guide and source book, talks the tragedy that befell the park's wolves. Quote, at least as early as 1877, ungulate carcasses in the park were poisoned with stars... What's oh oh wow with strychnine by freelance wolfers for wolf or wolverine bait, so we're just throwing strychnine out for wolves to eat carcasses just to watch them die. I mean that's pretty intense in a national park. Huh? Strychnine, wolf death by strychnine. I feel like that's just not good for the entire ecosystem. Well, what is that? You just throwing oh. poison all over the place? Well, what, do I know? <laughs> what do I know? I mean, if they had planes at this point, they would have been. Blowing it over the whole fucking forest. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be crop dusting everybody to death. By 1880, Yellowstone National Park Superintendent, this is an 1800s name, Philetus Norris stated... Philetus. P-H-I-L-E-T-U-S. How many dudes did he fillet with that name? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a family tradition. Your name is Son Felicio? <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Bastard. It, it, sounds la- <laughs> it sounds Latin. It's sophisticated, right? Sure it is. Yeah. Well, the value of their wolves and coyote hides and their easy slaughter with strychnine poison carcasses have nearly led to their extermination. Yeah, that, I, I, I can get, see why. Yeah, that would work. Yeah, that would do it. That would about <laughs> do it. Seems pretty efficient. That would about do it. Um, the wolves' natural prey were moose, elk, deer, and bison, and they were also being annihilated by human intervention. 
Without having any idea how local ecosystems work, the settlers had made their livestock the only game in town. So now, they want to kill wolves because they're killing their livestock. But they're hunting everything in sight, so the wolves have nothing else left to eat but the livestock, which means more wolves are coming to the livestock. We're pretty fucking smart. Real intelligent. I guess we've gotten a lot smarter. No, we have since then. Or at least Absolutely. Some of, us have. some of us have gotten a lot smarter. I mean, we know about the environment, but imagine back. Why are all these? Are we were killing the wolves. Why are more keep coming? Well, are you killing everything else? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We sure shit <laughs> yeah, are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I shot this buffalo and I only took its head. Oh, yeah. well, all right. Well, that's nice. Okay. Um. In the Southwest, where cattle was a million-dollar industry, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services reports, quote, to protect livestock, ranchers and government agencies began an eradication campaign. Bounty programs initiated in the 19th century continued as late as 1965, offering $20 to $50 per wolf. I would have done a conversion, but didn't have time. What year was that? It was in, um, 19... Oh, yeah, it continued as late as 1965. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of money. Is it 1965 or is it 1865? I feel like it's 1965. It's probably 1965. I think it's 1965. Yeah, wolves were trapped, shot, dug from their dens, and hunted with dogs. Poison animal carcasses were left out for wolves, a practice that also killed eagles, ravens, foxes, bears, and other animals that fed on the tainted carrion. Like you imagined. It's not good for anybody. No. Everything gets to die. Hey, hooray! Welcome to America! Everyone gets to die! (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful! Pete dies. Yeah. In 1880... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) everything. We're just gonna kill it all! In 1885, the federal government established the U.S. Bureau of Biological Survey. Its initial mission was a gentle one. Studying birds and fish. Guess what happened? They realized everything was dying. Big Money upgraded its focus to annihilation. Of the birds and the fish, too? (laughs) (laughs) They were doing all right. Everything must go! (laughs) And we gotta sell out animals. Everything must go. Man. From a quote, well, from the book Hunting the Grizzly and Other Sketches by Theodore Roosevelt, originally published in this form in 1902, we've talked about two presidents in a row, by the way. Now, if you know anything about Teddy, he loved nature. He's a man of science. Yeah, I like, I like Teddy. The wolf is the archetype of raven, the beast of waste and desolation. It is still found scattered thinly throughout all the wider portions, the wilder portions of the United States, but has everywhere retreated from the advance of civilization. Hmm. The science wasn't out there. Teddy had no idea. I feel like Teddy would have been four wolves if he knew how good they were. Probably. But... He didn't know, so he thought they all should die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the PBS no, article. Knowledge is power. <laughs> knowledge is power. <laughs> and Teddy didn't have that much knowledge. He was doing good for his day. Teddy's one of my favorites. So many good things. But he just, the wolves, he just didn't know any better. Yeah, I mean. I mean, that's the only excuse, right? I mean, if he knew, I feel if he knew, he would have been for the wolf. Probably. I right? mean, yeah, I mean. Everybody said they were bad, so... Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get that upswell for wolf support Yeah. in uh, 1906. The world hadn't even been through two world wars yet. Nobody knew anything. They didn't know. 
Everybody's innocent still. Right. Just little babies. Except the wolves. Little Fuck ba- those guys. Yeah, they're dead. Yeah, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> they've been here for thousands of years. Get rid of yeah. them. They don't know what they're doing. They're, have you seen those short-faced bears? Thank God we got rid of them. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. Hopefully our ancestors took care of those fuckers. We just lured them all to the goddamn tar pit. <laughs> yeah. Come over here. That was their version of Strict 9. <laughs> <laughs> it was. There was a caveman on the opposite side of the tar pit. Come get me. <laughs> yeah. Come and get me. Just... Uh, Looked like a big steak, like when yeah. they, in the cartoons. Oh yeah, whatever the whatever the equivalent, <laughs> and whatever the equivalent of like medi- of like ancient barbecue sauce was. This, I don't know, molasses or something. Just yeah, who knows? I just like come and get me, and the bear's like, Bleh. then he gets stuck in four centimeters. He's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and the dire wolves jump him, and they get fucked, <laughs> and this everybody gets fucked. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> this pilot. Uh, then there's a saber-toothed tiger who's new to the party. Yeah, he's, he's like, fucked, too. I didn't see Oh, look at all these things dying. I'm going to eat it. Oh, no, I'm dying. Fuck. Yeah. I only got four seven... <laughs> centimeters on my fingers. Come on, please. <laughs> Help me. Dead. And Fucking then, dead. And then, then a guy got part of his foot stuck, and his wife laughed at him. Then he bashed <laughs> her with a rock, and then threw her body in there. Yeah. He's like, thank God I was only two centimeters. Right, away. I wasn't in there all the way, bitch. But now you gotta get, now you gotta die. No, that that's what happened. It is, yeah. No, he's like, oh, thank God I only got two centimeters in. And she's like, yeah, I've heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> and then, bam! <laughs> yeah. And then he whipped in her dog for good measure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's chaos at the tar pits. <laughs> Uh, Mass hysteria at the tar pits. <coughs> oh, my God. The PBS article continues. In 1906, the U.S. Forest Service acquiesced to the stock owners and enlisted the help of the Bureau of Biological Survey to clear cattle ranges of gray wolves. In other words, the Bureau became a wolf extermination unit. Bruce Hampton writes in The Great American Wolf, the same year, 1906, Bureau biologist Vernon Bailey traveled to Wyoming and New Mexico to investigate the extent of wolf and coyote depredations. Upon Bailey's return to Washington, D.C., President Roosevelt invited him to the White House to see what he had learned. Although there is no record of their conversation, immediately following Bailey's meeting with the president, the biological survey recommended that the government begin, quote, devising methods for the destruction of the animals. By the middle of the 20th century, government-sponsored extermination had wiped out nearly all gray wolves in the lower 48 states. Only a small population remained in northeastern Minnesota and Michigan. Yet the Bureau of Biological Survey was still disseminating anti-wolf propaganda as late as 1940. One poster from that time period reads, According to estimates of Stockman, the Custer Wolf pictured in the poster, which would be in the, you know, the propaganda killed 25,000 worth of cattle during the seven years he was known in the vicinity of Custis, South Dakota. A local bounty of $500 failed to secure his capture. A department hunter ended his career of destruction by a skillfully set by a skillfully set trap. Many notorious wolves are known to have killed cattle valued at $3,000 to $5,000 a year. More than 3,849 wolves have been destroyed by the predatory animal work of the department and its cooperators since the work was organized in 1915. Damn. I feel like that guy talks that way. Weapon out all the wolves. Maybe more Canadian. That's, hey, hey, we killed the... Hey, don't you know we killed all the wolves, eh? <laughs> 
Hey, did you know they're fucking in the ground, eh? <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, that's a lot of fucking dead wolves. Oh, though. my God. It's that's out crazy. of control. And do you like that there was a bounty for, like, a specific wolf? Because he killed 25000 to one a legendary wolf, wolf pelt right there. One wolf killed $25,000 worth of cattle during the seven years he was known. I mean, one wolf... They're really? Hunting packs. How do you? Yeah, this lone wolf killed twenty five thousand dollars worth of. He cows. sounds like a badass. I want to see this lone wolf. What was his name? His name. His name was Sven Kilgrave. I don't know. <laughs> sure, I'll, that's cool enough for me. That's all I had at the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what else he would be called. Um, Brutus. I don't know. Stop. Fenrir. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, guess what? I had to not do. When you're talking about wolves, I had to avoid Frenier entirely. <laughs> I, yeah. mm, get to him later. Yeah, we'll get to he's him. He's going to eat the world, guys. Yeah, he's a big he's a big doggy. <laughs> he's a big deal. <laughs> All right. So, needless to say, by the 1960s, everybody started to realize they had no idea how ecosystems work and that the government had already screwed everything up. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least they figured it out. Whoops. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. All right. Round two. Now, speaking of screwing everything up, yep. the Dwight D. Eisenhower National System of Interstate and Defense Highways, informally referred to as the Interstate Highway System, is a network of controlled access highways that makes up a section of the National Highway System. Yeah, we live next to a few of those. We absolutely do. Who, after seeing what Germany had constructed, had inspired to give America the same interconnected network needed to supply and defend a nation? The Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956 initiated its construction, and the original portion was completed 35 years later. However, certain urban routes were canceled and never built. Was it because of the wolves? It was. <laughs> no, they're all dead now. Yeah. <laughs> we got right. Yeah, well, that's why they had to kill the wolves. I thought it was maybe their comeback story. They were like, <laughs> we oh. stopped the highways being built. These, my, these hordes of wolves. Oh my god, they've resurrected armies from the tar pits. They're invading the highway system. <laughs> they got short bear, short faced bears with them. Run! They're riding the bears! The wolves are riding the bears! Yeah, I'd. They're I'd, wearing saber toothed tiger skulls as hats! I'd watch what? that. Oh my god, the, the teeth around like the wolves' ears? It's like Airbud meets Terminator. <laughs> Well, I just want to throw everything out and talk about that now. <laughs> oh. yeah, we'll do that we'll, later. We'll say that, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. but which um, brings us to Western Illinois, 1971. We're back to Illinois. Here we are. In the 70s. Cool. Amazing. Cohomo cool. Ah, uh, cohomo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't. Go home, oh, more action. I don't know what that's bad. All right. Yeah. Um, it's, that'll stay in, but it's fine. The Kansas. Nope. Oh, no, maybe it'll leave. <laughs> the Chicago to Kansas City interstate was eliminated by objections from Iowa and St. Louis. This, this part of the podcast is awesome if you're looking at a map of Illinois. Yeah. I've, but the point is, yeah. this elimination left 16 counties essentially cut off from the rest of the nation. There's a chunk of western Illinois where no major highways, nothing nothing was there. Without highways to funnel goods and jobs, there was no reason for people to settle or for um, businesses to develop in the area. What businesses remained would leave. Hancock College moved to Wisconsin. And they'd been there for like ever. Huh. They left. 
Even passenger rail service had been canceled from Macomb to Chicago. These 16 counties had been forgotten. Forgotten by all but the people who lived there. And some of them, well, they weren't going to take it anymore. Who could save them? Western University theater student and Vietnam veteran, Neil Gam. Hell yeah. An eccentric man known for wearing classical suits and bow ties. Hell yeah. He became the face of a movement. Fantastic. Because what we are about... I hope he fought in Vietnam like that. I mean, that would be amazing. You said he was a Vietnam veteran. veteran. Yep, and then because they came home and some of those guys went to school. Yeah, hell yeah. Because... Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I said before, he became the face of a movement. Mm-hmm. This is Gam, quote. I was pretty good at throwing smoke like a real old-time politician, end quote. Part of the same article that that quote was pulled from, Gam says today, quote, We didn't ever figure it would take off like it did, but it threw us all in. Quoted a McDonough voice article. Fergatonia was born. What? Fergatonia. Fergatonia was born. The rebellious state even had its own flag. What? And its color? (laughs) White. For, as soon as this state would secede, this was the plan. They would immediately surrender in the hopes that the U.S. would funnel more resources into their communities as an occupying power than a benevolent nation. What? (laughs) Its capital was in Fannin, and its capital building was, incredibly, an empty storefront. The idea was they wanted to secede, leave the Union, immediately surrender because then they thought they would get like a Marshall plan and be rebuilt. <laughs> I'm, we're getting into it. All right. But this, this legit, this is a real thing that happened and it's out of control. Hell, what? It's all over the place. What the fuck, man? This is like that episode of family guy. <laughs> Peter Tonya or whatever the fuck it was called. I even watched that show. Did he want to secede from something? Yeah. He like seceded from, Massachusetts? Where the fuck they're from? But that's what this is. Yeah. Forgotonia. This is the whole, Forgotonia. This is the point. Sounds like exact, it's this is what this is the exact same thing. This is what this is based on. That's what that's based off of then. That's ridiculous. A My Journal Courier article states a 2010 quote by Gam. So Gam was talking about this as far back as 2010. The movement quote was a way to draw attention to the plight of the forgotten prairie, end quote. In that same source, Gam declared that quote. People were frustrated. They needed someone to speak for them. People just didn't have any voice, end quote. Gam admitted that he knew nothing of the issues back then, and that, quote, I was just in it to be funny, end quote. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's kind of like why I want to secede from the Union. Just to see. What'll happen? What? what, Yeah. What's going to happen if I do this? (laughs) This will be funny. Could be fun. But he added, um, quote, Then I saw that people had legit concerns and they had nobody to talk to about it. End quote. 
And this continues that article. By that time, the ploy had become somewhat of a political issue, and Gam's appearances were in demand, while politicians hesitated to buck the idea. So, like, they were afraid to talk against this nonsense. Uh-huh. Because it was catching steam. As a result, Gam's celebrity skyrocketed. At least for a while. A separate article quotes him summing up the plan as, quote, The idea is that we would secede from the Union, immediately declare war, surrender, then apply for foreign aid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a good plan, really. Right? Like, hey, well, we're going to get you. No, we surrender. Help us. Yeah. Their state flag was just a white flag. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we give up. This was a scheme they had cooked up to bring attention to Macomb and the western Illinois area. Wait, it's Macomb? Said. Yeah, Macomb. Yeah, it's over there. Huh. You been there? Yeah. Yep, <laughs> of course! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Uh, Gam said, I said that already, quote, it was just supposed to be a local kind of deal and it ended up going national, end quote. Yeah, because you were going to secede from the Union. Yeah, this like, let's talk about this. Didn't we do that like a hundred years ago? Yeah, a few people tried to do that yeah, once. let's talk about this. You're a northern state? Come here. What are we doing? Quote, we got coverage from coast to coast, radio, TV, you name it. It was weird because they were covering it fairly straight. They were covering it like this was the real deal. It was... <laughs> he didn't want it. He's like, oh shit, we might get bombed. <laughs> it's like, oh fuck, what are we doing? Oh, it was great stuff. If you read some of the articles, you'd swear this was the real deal. Some papers, I think, really thought this was serious. So the best part is doing a stunt just to make a point, being silly, and then some people thinking, not in on the joke, think you're dead serious, so then you get more attention. You're like, what is happening? You're like, please just build a highway here. (laughs) We just want to be able to go to Chicago easily. Yeah. Just give us something. Then slowly, as people saw the truth in the satire, the stunt morphed into something more. Quote, People were really desperate, and they were grasping at straws, and I happened to be the most viable one at the time. End quote. Gam said, quote, People were frustrated. They needed someone to speak for them, and they thought I was it. In a way, I was. At least I got their opinions out there. People just didn't have any voice. There is so much going on in this story. The, the underdog trying to just get anything. We just want a fucking road to drive on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, now we're like committing treason. Everyone thinks we're going to like fight, wage war against Illinois. This guy's wearing a bow tie the whole time. And he looks real classy the entire time. I imagine it's polka dots. Because like, a, I mean, who knows? I don't know. But yeah, it had been a ploy, a ruse. Clearly satire taken to the extreme. Still, Fergatonia was covered in such media as the New York Times, Philadelphia Inquirer, and Sacramento Bee. So it's like all over the place. As well as numerous television and radio outlets. Gam recalled that the media was, quote, covering it like this was the real deal, end quote. Reporters were coming in from all over, and I imagine having a hell of a time doing it. So they're trying to come to a place that is very hard to get to. (laughs) There's nowhere to get there. That's what they're complaining about. They have no roads. No airports. Mm-hmm. So imagine these poor reporters have to try and find this fucking place. Yeah. <laughs> Just proving the point, really, Right, like, though. oh, fuck, they do need a better highway here. Oh, my God. Quote, I was just in it to be funny, and then I saw that people had legit concerns, and they had nobody to talk about it. 
end quote. Gam said, quote, it got to be kind of irresponsibility. That was kind of what kept it going. There were people who were plum serious and not able to get their message out there, and I can at least do that for them. I was glad to, but it was then that I really had to start doing my homework and know what I was talking about. So he's thrust into just having to actually, <laughs> now I gotta actually explain things. It's like, I'm just gonna have a joke. Oh, shit. <laughs> now I gotta, Fuck. now I gotta run this country thing that I started. It's like, oh, shit. Now, like, I have to actually know about stuff? You're gonna make me research in 1971? That can't be that super easy. I mean, it's probably just an encyclopedia. Oh, yeah, right? Because those were a thing. Well, Gam admits, I didn't know diddly about it, but I was sent there to be an expert. Great. I was I was in over my head at times. Uh-huh. I hope he just ran with it. <clears throat> uh, Gam would move away eventually, and while some inroads would be made to make transportation easier over the years, Fergatonia is still a sparse, barely populated land. There's easier ways to get there now. But there's like nothing over there. Yeah, I mean, it's Western Illinois, and it's nothing. There's no city. There's no major cities. It's just like a chunk of Illinois. This is off in the distance. Yeah, plenty of open area. Plenty of forests. In some areas, still very much the wilderness. Anything could be out there. Short-faced bears. Ah, not those. <laughs> Hopefully, not those. That's Hopefully, terrifying. not those. I mean, just think about grizzlies. I know. Those things run up to like 35 miles an hour. Uh-huh. They're, yeah. They're only like 12 feet tall. Short-faced bears like 20, right? 18? Yeah. 20? Yeah. They're incredible. I mean, we've all, any, if you haven't looked up short-faced bears, you should. Look up the picture of like one of the skeletons or like a statue they have next to they're a person. Terrifying. Like, you're done. Monsters exist, guys. Yeah. This is almost the point of this whole thing I'm doing. Monsters are real. Yeah. We're just used to... See, they just aren't... We just happen to exist when they're not around. But, I mean, if you come across a grizzly, that's a fucking monster. Yeah, it is a monster. These are fucking terrifying. But like I said, those might not be out there. But anything else could be. Enter Chicago Tribune article of June 19th, 2018. Last year. Huh. Maybe anything is. Quote... I sense them every time I'm out there. They know I'm there. The whistling is just a knock on the door. They hear, and they know it's me. End quote. Over the course of several years, farmer, musician, and amateur naturalist Jay Smith has acquired trail cam footage of some suspicious creatures that seem to roam the land him and his wife care for in a secluded region that, yes, you guessed it, is in Fergatonia. Hmm. There's the three wolves that we have found. They were young. One was caught in a woven wire fence on our property. We affectionately named him and any of the wolves that look like him Archies. He's an unknown. His bone structure is different than any skeletal structure of any canid that they've seen before, anybody has seen before. And I know this because we have Archie's bones at the Field Museum, and they don't match even those of larger wolves, adult wolves, and he's only six months old. They've relied on one thing, genetic and DNA testing, to determine that you have this unique, uh, this unique creature. As far as they got back, there's Canis Niger. That would be your oldest wolf. 
the oldest canid that they know that walks on Earth. A descendant of the Canis Niger would be what would they would call the dire wolf. These are kind of what? mythical <laughs> creatures. Scientists and people know and believe that did, they exist. Did but they get him stuffed? Yeah, as complete as Archie and OT to prove this point. Wolves connected with man and no other animal did on Earth. So it's not really surprising that an individual like myself in particular would have such a strong pull to them. And so cocky with. about it. <laughs> for the last eight years, I've walked with It's like, yeah, I got a pack woods. of dire wolves. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry about it. And I know they're there. I'm king of the north. <laughs> I just know I'm supposed to be very heavily involved right? with them. And take care of them. All right, well, that's pretty fucking crazy. This is why we're here. The bonds between man and dog, <coughs> why dealt with dire wolves. This is why we're here. All right. Like, this, okay. This is the journey we had to take to get here. Huh. All right, here we go. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing after that? I mean... <laughs> what is happening? I just learned that I could become... The king in northern Illinois with yeah. a pack of dire wolves on my side if I really wanted. You just need to, yeah, go out. Let's go out. Hang out in Furgatonia. Yeah. <laughs> I am down for that. Wolves are supposedly foreign to Illinois. So what the fuck are these? Mm-hmm. A Chicago Tribune article featuring Jay's Wolves states... Experts are skeptical of Smith's conclusion, but they're intrigued enough to seek further study. Hell so yeah. it got people's attentions. It should. When you looked at those at that video and you looked at those wolves, I mean like what? I mean it's hard to it is hard. see the size of them Correct. in the video. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And, like they almost just look like coyotes, really. But the, sure they're not. The Field Museum, they want to study these more. Yeah. Exactly. They didn't just look at them and like, no. It requires further research. Yeah, so the Illinois Department of Natural Resources, Chicago's Field Museum, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture are collaborating to determine exactly what these animals, where these animals fall in the biological family of canids, carnivorous mammals that include wolves, coyotes, foxes, and domestic dogs. The Field Museum is conducting DNA tests on carcasses Smith has provided, with results expected in coming weeks. Now... This was last June, by the way, so stay tuned. Yeah, we're probably going to have to wait a while. And I'm going to... Well, it was last June. They said a few weeks. Yeah, but, you know. Well, I know. So, and then what will follow is me reading many passages from these... From a couple of news articles featuring Jay's wolves, okay? Okay. The wolves of Forgottonia. Most experts say evidence so far suggests that the creatures could be coyotes, indigenous wild dogs, a coyote, do um, coyote dog mix, or even a coyote wolf hybrid. So, this is a barrel of guesses right there. Right, I mean, and that's kind of what I just said, too. Exactly, because, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah. One researcher said it's possible they could be a species that has never been recorded. I mean, that's possible, too. We don't know everything yet. We don't. Whatever they are, Smith's cameras have yielded enticing clues. He said he's captured 40 separate videos of the animals and at least 70 photos since he first strapped his trail cameras on trees and posts about five years ago. 
Smith is 57, and he's lived in the town of 500 for about a decade. Quote, We basically have a grand central station for wolves here. Quote. Uh, Smith continued by saying, quote, Welcome to Wolfville, capital of Fergatonia. <laughs> I mean, Sounds like an asshole. He's pretty fucking... <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty happy with himself. Yeah. He's real satisfied by what's happening here. All right, but there is an ongoing debate over wolves and coyotes. Uh, one of the challenges of identifying the mysterious animals is that there is already a debate among scientists about the genetic differences between wolves and coyotes. Smith contends that the wolves never fully vacated Fergotonia and that they've gone unrecorded because the area is so far removed from the paths of wildlife biologists. To bolster his argument, he has unearthed uh, Schuler County Treasury Department receipts, receipts from 1943 showing $10 bounties paid for killing wolves. So somebody as long as 1943 you know, was killing wolves and they got paid 10 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, worth it, right? No... With a gray, this is the article speaking, by the way. With a gray blonde ponytail, glasses, and a backward baseball cap embroidered with the name of his band, Texas Transplants, Smith may seem an unconventional wildlife researcher. His journey from, do you want to look up the uh, Texas Transplants? Transplants is spelled with a Z in the middle, by the way. Of course it is. All right. His journey from farmer to passionate advocate for the mysterious canids of Fergatonia began in about 2011, he said. While walking his property that year, Smith noticed a paw print that seemed to him to be too large to belong to anything but a wolf. Smith drove into research and mounted his trail cameras, which began capturing images of the animals. Um, eventually, he found two of them in the same shot. And then he was like, these can't just be coyotes. they got to be something more. Mm-hmm. Quote, when I saw that picture, that was the determining factor. End quote. He continued, quote, too much height, too much body structure, and then the behavior. Now, what he claimed was that um, they were much bigger than a coyote, and they walked straighter. Um, they had vivid colors. Uh, they were a deep brown, basically black one of them had a reddish kind of hue, huh. and uh, which they were much different because he's used to seeing like gray, white, beige, you know, muted out coyotes. You've seen a coyote. Yeah. They're kind of blah. These seem yeah. like they have a little more pizzazz to them. Showboating. And, and then, yeah, showboating, absolutely. Then, then he claimed he saw an, ex- quote, explosion, end quote, of these fantastic beasts um, about, uh, about last fall, about a year ago. That's when he reached out to the Field Museum and the Illinois Governor's Office. He posted his videos on YouTube, and if you want to see more videos of those wolves, just go to YouTube and look up, like, um, yeah, Fergatonia Wolves. He's got a bunch of his trap videos just all over the place. But what's amazing about this is, like, this is basically a cryptid sighting that we actually have documentation of that nobody is quite sure. They think maybe it's something, but it's different enough to get the attention of actual scientists, and there's video of it all over the place. When does that happen? Never. When do we talk about Bigfoot and see like certain... Oh, maybe it's an ape. Maybe it's a Bigfoot man. There's nothing. Yeah. The, Zero uh, things. No museums are getting involved in Bigfoot sightings. No, they're not. And this is actually something you can discuss and debate. There's actually substance to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I'd be down for dire wolves being in Illinois. That sounds like it'd be fucking cool. Right? Uh, Next thing I'm hoping for is fucking dragons, though. 
Oh, well, we'll get to... But dragons <laughs> would be a wild discovery. <laughs> yeah. We'll start with dire wolves. Yeah. We'll see where we go from there. Right. I mean, we got to look up... We got to ask what Canada's doing if they got any White Walkers up there. That's yeah. like that's where the concern is. Are you guys building a wall up there? Because yeah, ours gonna... isn't going well down here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to build a wall and just protect Mexico from the White Walkers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, North America. We're, yeah, we're right. north, north of the wall. Oh, right? yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, Smith explained you can find these creatures under Kanaho wolves of Frigatonia in the video clip that I had you listen to and watch. Um, he explained that's the word that came to him while he was seeing the canids in his woodlands. I mean, I don't know what he's doing. He's out of control here. He's a madman. He's. <laughs> <laughs> These wolves are his calling, and he is jacked. He's like, this is it. I'm in. This is my thing. Part of the pack now. I am part of the... I am the alpha male of this group. And, like, I don't think you should test that, Jay. Not to say that you believe that, but if you did, I would suggest not testing that. The leader of the pack. Working with the Field Museum's chief proprietor and assistant collection manager, uh, Tom... It's spelled G-N-O-S-K-E, but that's probably pronounced, like, Nosk. I think you pronounce it G? Janask? I don't know. I, I wish know. I knew. Yeah. Well, he's been collecting canid specimens and he's done research um, regarding the evolution of uh, animals, the animals since the 1980s. Um, the museum has four specimens from Smith, two roadkills, one that died after being caught in a fence, and a larger stuffed mounted wolf-like animal that Smith said was shot in the 1930s in Forgottonia. So the image we saw, yeah. That's the stuffed one. Yeah. From the 1930s. How does he have it? I mean, he got family obsessed. Heirloom. He's like, he's like, we got to put the family back together. Yeah. Give me that stuffed animal. All right, so the scientists are going to analyze the DNA and try and compare it to everything that they have um, from specimens across other regions of the United States. Now, some of the features of Smith's canids are larger than that of coyotes, but they don't measure up to gray wolves. Continuing the article, they could, Knox said, be a previously unclassified wild indigenous dog that always has inhabited Illinois. Now, even if that's true, isn't that fucking awesome? Yeah, that's cool. That nobody knew about? Because um, based on the animal skeletons and anatomy, uh, Ganas said he doubts the animals are wolves or a wolf-coyote hybrid. Um, still, in lieu of all that sus- uh, suspicion and doubt and um, just, you know, uh, the unknown... He's very excited to find out what they are about. Uh, Quote, I believe uh, that there is something genuinely interesting hidden within this conundrum, end quote. So it's got this scientist's attention. He's happy. And like, how often do you find like a cryptid story where a scientist even gives a shit? Never. Not once. Well, Well, not legit ones that are coming from the field museum (laughs) and stuff like that. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Right? Pretty cool. When asked the ant, when um, you know, the, this article asks him like, what's his best guess is? You know, what his quote is, legit scientist guy. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I have no idea. Oh, perfect. Fuck yeah, dude. It's the best thing he could have said. This is um a quote from Doug Dufford. He's a wildlife disease and invasive wildlife manager for the Illinois Department of Natural Resources. He's even traveled on the on us on Smith's property. And taking a look at whatever research. They say Smith's research. Oh, this guy's just videoing wolves and falling in love with them. 
I don't know what his research is. Yeah, I mean... He's just all on board. Sounds like if I found out I had wolves on my yard and I just started like taking pictures of them, I'd be like, research. <laughs> I'm taking notes. I call them Archies. Hey, this is going to the field museum here. What did you do today? I worked and filled my car with gas. Yeah, yeah good luck. Fuck yeah. you, scum. Yeah, way to go, <laughs> I'm Yo, part. Of, I'm part of the pack. You plebe. <laughs> you plebe. I'm part of the pack. Get in the back of the line. Which makes me think of the Power Wheels commercials from the '90s. <laughs> the leader of the pack. <laughs> Isn't that? Uh, what I think. Their yeah, thing I think was? there was a thing yeah. like that. I yeah. think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that quote that I was. Um, yeah, that quote by Doug. Uh, there was enough difference there between the specimens and coyotes that raised the question of what is going on here. Um, Doug Dufford said, um, they've noted that the legs and paws of Smith's canids appear longer than those of other coyotes and the teeth and skulls appear larger. I mean, what the fuck? Duff, this guy, Doug Dufford's best guess was that they're a variant, quote, a variant of a coyote. He continues, he's got more quotes. It would be easy to discount it offhand, quote, Dufford said, quote, but then again, I learned a long time ago, you just never say never. And enough other people from the scientific side of it have said enough about it that it just warrants additional investigation. Uh, Ben Sachs, director of the Mammalian Ecology and Conservation Unit at the University of California at Davis. um, Well, this man decided to do a mitochondrial mitochondrial DNA test and a uh, little little incy-bincy sample that Smith provided. This revealed results consistent with red wolves and coyotes, Sack said. Uh, the size of the animals leads this man to believe they could be coyotes. And then a uh, senior scientist from Minnesota, uh, Mech, he spoke with Smith once or twice and they exchanged about 10 emails. That's been since February. Like other experts, Mech said the size of Smith canids are consistent with coyotes, which generally weigh about 25 pounds. Gray wolves average about 65 pounds and red wolves weigh about 50 well, the article does continue. Smith remains convinced that the creatures inhabiting his land are wolves. He contends that research has become so specialized in relying on computer data that scientists lack his practical boots in Fergatonia experience. I mean, of course he does. You know, you know what Jay's about. Yeah. These are my wolves. I know all about them immediately. I mean, they could just be big coyotes. They and might. it's still cool. Right. It's that not... you have a pack of them. <laughs> like, you're the leader of the pack, man. We get it. Right. Alpha male. Right. But yeah. they might just be coyotes. That's you. But you're still, you're still cool. You're still good at being their leader. Well, Jay's got more quotes for you. Yeah, if you clog your perfect. computer screen and forget the biological science, end quote, he said, quote, you're not going to get the right answers, quote. So he's, you know, he's, I mean, you know what's going on here. But his ultimate objective is for everyone to, quote, learn some really, really cool history we know nothing about and teach the children. He did carry on. Um, the article says he talked about his deep connection and direct connection. That's a quote, by the way. Direct connection. Hmm. Which he mentioned in that video clip I showed you. Yep. With the animals that he plays music for them and he believes he... It's just his band, isn't it? He... Uh, well... <laughs> Well, he believes he and the animals communicate. 
He, I mean, that's entirely possible, but... He wept when geez. talking about how many wolves have been killed and believes they're still being hunted. Oh. I think I joined them a long time ago, Smith okay. said of the animals. Well, now he sounds like a crazy person. But I'm not the only one. I'm just the one right now that's not afraid to wear it on their sleeve. Well, you want to close this one out? Yeah. All right. Let's, let's wrap it up. Like I said... We're wrapping it up. Um, but I, they said they'd find things out from the scientists in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That was a while ago. That was in June. How's that going? November 24th, 2018. All right. Quote from the article by, and this guy gets all the credit. This gentleman gets all the credit. Ted Gregory. He put these two articles together for That's us. Ted so. Gregg got for us. Ted Gregg says, The mystery was fun while it lasted. But those curious wolf-like creatures, you know, that we've been talking about, Just coyotes, aren't they? appear to be about as common as a critter that wanders suburban backyards. We mentioned Doug Dufford, right? Mm-hmm. Illinois Department of Natural Resources Invasive Wildlife Manager. He says, we're basically talking about coyotes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he worked with the DNA testing, Field Museum, U.S. Department of Agriculture. Um, quote, we still have to talk about it a little bit in-house, quote. That's what he said of the uh, preliminary testing that he has received in recent days. Still worth talking about. Quote, but I'm not seeing very much to believe that these things are anything other than coyotes, quote. I mean, that's what they look like in the video to me. Tom Tom Nosk, uh, Gnosk confirmed an email um, that all the results indicate the animals are coyotes. That's what they look like. They have base. These results have basically put to rest at a, uh, the possibility of a wolf pack roaming western central Illinois. I want a wolf pack. In in Illinois. in the area known as Fergatonia. Bummer. But, despite the results, the man who sparked interest in the curious canids remains convinced they are in fact wolves. Yeah. J. Smith, quote, This is a textbook case of denial! End quote. Alright. Hey man, I want there to be wolves out there. Just as bad as you do. You talk about... How do you feel about Jay's strong emotional connection to these wolves? You're on his team, right? I want to be on his team. Right? But the video I saw, my gut said fucking coyotes. Well, Smith said the larger skulls and bone structures of the feet and toes of his animals are strong indicators that they are wolves or a hybrid. He also said the DNA testing is incomplete. Sure, sure, bud. <laughs> uh, Dufford and the other experts, they still say that it's smaller than a red wolf, um, which is smaller than other wolf species. Um, we mentioned David Mech earlier. Um, he's been studying wolves since 1958, so maybe he knows a thing or two. Because, um, to, you know, again, to be on Team J, mm-hmm. uh, Duffer did acknowledge that Quote, some indication of ancient wolf, end quote, was found in the animal's DNA. 
quote also, a limited amount of hybridization with dog. Hmm. But Jay Smith, he's insisting ancient wolf DNA is more proof that the animals are wolves. And maybe they are the red wolf, but he still, he claims they do need legal protection from hunting. No, I can probably get behind that. Yeah, that's fine. Don't shoot them. We, we barely, it took the field museum to figure out what they were. Maybe we don't just shoot them all. <laughs> yeah. Is that a thing we're still doing? I mean, I think people still want to. Well, coyotes, you can get like, they're like 20 bucks in a pair of ears right now still. So I guess. Yeah, fine. right. We're still doing it. We're still doing it with coyotes. We build houses all over their land, and then when they walk in the cities, we don't want them there. Well, they were there first. Yeah. I mean, maybe just capture the coyote and like send them off to Furgatonia. <laughs> <laughs> Give him to Jay. Yeah, Jay wants his coyote to be his friend. Is he going to pay 25 bucks in the year? <laughs> I mean, uh, a living coyote? Yeah. He'll pay you 50 bucks to let you let you let it be his friend. <laughs> Deal. Deal. Yeah, quote... The wolf element in the DNA suggests that at some point a long time ago, a wolf bred with a coyote. This is Dufford still talking. I mean, he did the DNA study, so he's, like, all about this. Yeah, I mean, he probably knows more about that than I do. Quote, but this has been documented in other coyotes by other researchers. And then he's, he decides to try and sum it up. Um, Dufford added, if Jay's animals are red wolves, then every coyote in Illinois is a red wolf. <laughs> I think that's the scientific equivalent of, like, the two middle fingers. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what that like, is. It's like, all right. sure, buddy, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, on a positive note, programs have restored gray wolf populations in western and northern uh, United States, but they are rarely seen in Illinois. I wish they were. Wouldn't that be great? That would be fantastic. Well... And, uh, well, Dufford clearly, uh, Doug, our buddy Doug, he's interacted with probably Jay Smith many times, and he understands how Jay feels. Because he thinks that Jay Smith will remain undeterred by their results. Well, guess what? He's, to close out this article I've quoted many things from, he's right. Smith said he plans to continue his push to protect the canids roaming Furgatonia and elsewhere until their genetic composition can be subjected to more testing. He plans to reach out to the new governor, J.B. Pritzker, about the issue next year, which is now. So I can't wait for J.B. Pritzker just in office to get emails about a guy and his wolves. <laughs> and then he's, well, I mean, it'd be very cool if it was something unique. But right. J.B. Pritzker's going to be like, dude, they're just coyotes. Like, man, I I think this is cool, but, like, you just got a different coyote breed in yeah. your woods, which is fine. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But maybe don't make it Quit being your a... life's goal and don't sing songs to them, but the Texas transplants. Yeah. You maniac. Calm down about just, it. Just buckle up a Reel little bit. Reel it in. Yeah. Pull it back and just relax. But, Zach, that is my almost two-episode story to get to tell you about the wolves of Furgatonia. Right? Yeah. Wild. We need to get on to... Uh, yeah. What? Wolves of Chernobyl. Wolves of Chernobyl. We'll that, get there, eventually. We, we absolutely get there. Oh, my God. We're laying the seeds to something more incredible. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. 
basically just want to talk about dogs. Yeah, we just don't talk about dogs all the time. <laughs> we'll mention Fre- Fenrir. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we will. What if Fenrir was, like, vacationing in Chernobyl when it went off? What if he was vacationing in Fergatonia? <laughs> oh, I think Jay would shit his pants. <laughs> oh, it's a big wolf! Yeah. No, Fenrir was just out there He'd be slaying like, all the coyote that he could. And bam. Yeah, these, go. like, Fenrir-coyote hybrids. Yeah, he's that like... That Jay's obsessed with. Yeah, he's like, hey, Fenrir and coyote, look at those YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Just the cosmic wolf fucking a coyote. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's Weird and Feared, baby. All right. Yeah, if you want to follow us on the Instagram, you can at Weird and Feared um, at the Instagram. And if you want to email us, you can email us at Weird and Feared Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And if you want to check out our anchor page, if you want to, you can help support the podcast and throw some, you look at it. They got things you can give us some dollars so I can buy cool books. Or if you want to send me cool every, links, everything. Yeah. We'll go back into the podcast, basically. That's so. that's the goal. So you yeah. you would be contributing. You would be like a stockholder in the show. That's how I'd look at it. That's a good way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, right? Expand expand what we got to offer. Um, so, yeah, thanks for hanging in there and sticking it out. I was afraid it would get a little too long. I think it was all right. But, um, yeah, we're going to feed, baby. Yeah. Come back uh, next week. And, uh, oh, yeah, duh. Get spooky. Yeah, get spooky. <sighs> Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.